Okay, so let's talk about it. Here's, he's going to set this up today. We're going to talk about truth first today. And I'm going to dare you. I'm going to give you three dares in this message. Already given you one, right? You haven't forgotten it. Nine o'clock, 30 of you. Okay. Uh, tr- we're going to talk about truth this morning and set everything up, okay? Let's begin here. What is truth? What is truth? Okay. You know what? I, I actually Googled this. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing you do when you pastor these days, right? And, and you know, I actually ran across one, one person that wrote, it is hard to define what truth is. You know what? I'm like, really? Really? But that's where we are, isn't it? You've probably maybe even asked that question before. Who's the first person that ever asked that? You know, you ever thought about that? I, I can't tell you who the first person is that said that because there have been multiple, multiple millions of people probably that have asked the question, what is truth? But I can tell you the first person who is recorded as saying it is in the Bible. Uh, we don't have a recording of anybody else saying it that I know of that I've been able to find before John chapter 18. When Jesus and Pontius Pilate were talking, uh, when they were meeting and he was being accused, Jesus was, and and in those midnight hours before Jesus was crucified the next day at 9 a.m., in those midnight hours, Pontius Pilate was questioning him and Jesus was answering him at times. And and Jesus said, my followers, they they will know the truth. And Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? Now, when he said that, it was not really a question. He wasn't asking the question because he didn't say, well, what is truth? He didn't say it, because if you'll read, that was verse 38. If you read verse 39, you just kind of see how things go on from there. What is truth? He doesn't stay for the answer. He doesn't, it's almost like he said, what is truth? And he turns and walks away. And Jesus doesn't answer, probably because he knows Pilate's not listening anymore, that Pilate really didn't ask a question. Oh, that's a good one to throw at you here. A lot of times maybe we, or we're complaining because God doesn't speak to us. Maybe God's not speaking because he knows we're not listening. Amen. I mean, when Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? And turned and walked away, Jesus didn't say anymore. He had been talking to him, but when he said that, it, it is as if Pilate is not really asking the question. It's like he, maybe he's lamenting, oh, what is truth? None of us know truth. But I don't even think that's it. Because, because here, here's what I think is going on in Pilate's mind. If, if you read the whole story and see what's going on in Pilate, okay, he, he's, he's like a governor. He's in charge here, and he's between Rome, and he's between these Jewish zealots, you know, the religious people who want Jesus killed, and he's, got, I, he's, he's not going to do what is best. He's not going to do what is right. He's not going to do what is honorable. He is just trying to figure out how to do his job, yet also keep his job. And so he's trying to do what is politically expedient. And so as Jesus is talking, he's trying to get an answer that fits in, you know, where I can figure out how to go with this and I can do the things that's going to make everybody happy. That's what he's trying to do. And so when Jesus starts talking about truth, then he's just like, well, what is truth? It's more like that. It's more like a, a, nobody knows what truth is. What is truth? Truth is different for you and different for you. Man, it sounds like us today, doesn't it? it? Sounds like us. It sounds like this culture that we live in today. You know, and, 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 and here's the problem, is that we demand to go our own way. We demand to live by our own rules. We, we, dem- we demand to decide what is truth for, for ourselves. We demand that. And you know what that gets us? Well, it gets us nothing because all of our human attempts... To, to go our own way and to find our own truth and to make our own way in this life, what does it get us? We're still asking the question, what is truth? We're not getting anywhere with this. And, and our whole culture today, you know, all these years and all the learning and all, all, of the, all of the philosophers that we have had and the philosophy that we have studied and pe- things that have been written, and still today, people are saying, well, 
it's really hard to define truth. We still don't know what truth is. We still don't know. I, I, I told Tommy right before uh, the first service started this morning, I told him when I came in, you're going to have to delete it. And so I had him delete a slide because I, I just didn't have time. Thursday of this week, I cut this sermon in half, okay? You're just getting part one this morning, okay? I cut it in half because there was just so much stuff. And, and then I got here this morning, I told Tommy, you got to cut out a slide. And so I gave him, a, I told him which slide to cut out. It's one of, of several quotes. I think there's five quotes that, and they're on the Sunday's page, okay? I always try to put some extra stuff there on the Sunday's page so you have something extra to go to, okay? Those quotes are there. If you go and you read those quotes, and, and these are not from Christians. The, the, and some of them may be Christians, but these are, these are from people in industry. These are from people who deal with fi- uh, work, work in finance or, or in sales or whatever. And, and they're talking about truth. And they're still grappling with it. This, this is where we are as a culture. We don't know what truth is. You know, but what we need to do is instead of sit here at the what is truth, we need to ask the follow-up question. You know, Pilate should have asked the follow-up question. And the follow-up question should be, I don't know what truth is. Why haven't I found truth yet? That's what we should be asking. Is it all these years and all the study and, and all the philosophers and all this, why don't we yet know what truth is? But we're not asking that question. We still don't want to really, I don't, I don't think we really want to know what truth is. Our culture is asking the question, what is truth? But with a disdain for truth. Our culture doesn't like truth. Our culture doesn't want truth. Our, our culture doesn't uh, appreciate or, or value real truth. And so our culture is asking the question, but with that disdain for the truth. We don't want to, what's the second one? We don't want truth that changes us. We want truth that validates us. I said in first service, that needs, to be, that needs to be changed up there, and that little second part added, and that needs to be tweeted and posted, and I actually saw about four or five people had tweeted or posted that. Yeah, we don't need, or we don't want truth that changes us. We want truth that validates us. But we're, so we were, we're out looking for truth, and that's why we're, we're, we want to be choosy of our truth. We want to be in control of our truth. And, and so we don't want to find truth. We don't want to learn truth. We don't want to discover truth. We want to create truth. That's, that's who we are as a people now. Our culture doesn't want to learn and find truth. Our culture wants to create truth. And that's what people are all doing. I have a truth for me and you have a truth for you. Well, that's truth for you and that's truth for you. And that, that's, that's what our culture believes today. We want to create our own truth. But the problem with that is if we're all creating our own truth, that you're creating your truth, you're creating yours and yours and yours, and I'm creating mine, then your truth doesn't work for me, right? If you're creating your truth, it's not working for me. It does not work in my situation because you've created a truth for your situation. And so it won't work with my situation. And really, it's not even working for yours, is it, either? Mm-mm. So if we create our own truth and your truth doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for my situation, it doesn't work for anyone else in the world. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even work for the world either. It only works for your little, little bitty corner of the world in the middle of your little bitty circumstances you're going through right now because when your circumstances change, you will also have to change your truth again. So in reality, the truth that we create is not truth at all. So the questions that are out there about what truth is and truth is, you're not going to find it out there. There is a source. There is a place for truth. And you, you, know, where that's, you know where this is going, right? 
you know that. But, but before we get there, let's talk a little bit about us. Because I've been talking about the culture, right? I've been talking about them, the outsiders, those that aren't. Let's talk about us because we're the same way over this stuff. We're the same way with kind of creating our own truth. It's kind of folk religion Jesus. You ever heard that term? Yeah, and, and there, this is not really like an organized movement or anything, okay? It's just this is what happens, and it happens in churches. Like, you've got some folk religion in you. Let, let me give you a little bit of a definition of folk religion. Uh, back, back up, I'm sorry. Do the definition. Pseudo-Christianity defined culturally instead of biblically. You know what I'm talking about a little bit here now? You've got some of that in you. You know, you believe some things just because I like it or it feels good, or this is right for me, and I like it. And so, and when you, when you have those things, that's folk religion instead of true religion, because Christianity is based on the Word of God, period. No ifs, no ands, or buts. It is based on the Word of God. And so when we start bringing in the things that, but I really like this, or I feel this, or whatever, then we're, we're dealing with folk religion there. Let, let me give you some examples of some folk religion, okay? Now, some of these are kind of, kind of cute, but I'm going to preach them anyway, all right? And, and, then, and then, then maybe it'll explain to you what I'm talking about because it goes way farther than this. Here's one, here's one thought. When we die, heaven gains another angel. Y'all ever heard anybody say something like that? Have you ever said it? Don't raise your hand and embarrass yourself, Okay. All right, because I've I, I got to ask you, please stop. If you're saying that, please stop for two reasons. First of all, because it's wrong. Humans do not die and graduate to be angels. One of my favorite movies, one of my favorite Christmas movies is uh, 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 It's a Wonderful Life, right? Is that the one? Yes, yes, that's the one I'm, talking, I'm trying to think about. It's a Wonderful Life. Clarence, you know, he was a human and he, was, he has graduated to being an angel. Now he wants to get his wings, Right. That's not biblical, okay? You know, and it's, it's okay for you to watch that and say, this is fantasy, all right? You can watch, you know, you can watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and say, this is fantasy. You watch that stuff, you gotta say, this is fantasy. It is wrong. Angels are created beings. God created them as angels, and he created humans. Two separate creations. We don't become angels. So first of all, stop saying that because it's wrong. Secondly, stop saying it because you are not helping the family that has just lost someone. You're only making them angry at God. I mean, you know, I, went, I hear this at funeral homes, and I just wince, and I want to just take the person out in the back, just slap them a little bit, and say, well, what are, what are you trying to do? You're trying to turn them against God because here, here's, here's, here's the way it's said sometimes. Oh, if God took your wife, I know he must have needed another angel in heaven. That doesn't help the family deal with that. And here's, what, here's, an, here's one that's even worse. Oh, it, you know, when you're standing there at the funeral home and, and it's one of those little bitty caskets and you're standing there with that young couple and you say, oh, if God took your little baby, he must have needed another flower in his garden. Yeah, that, that's one that really makes me want to slap somebody around a little bit and say, you know, this, what in the world are you trying to do? So if you're saying this kind of stuff, that's folk religion. It is nowhere in the Bible and they don't need to hear that. You know, here, let me tell you something. The best of us, I, I've, I don't know how many funerals and funeral homes I've been to, but the, one, the ones of us who are most experienced at this, when we go to a funeral, we don't have the answers. We don't have anything to say to the family that's going to make it better except to just be there in our presence. So listen, stop making up stuff that God ain't said and start and telling it to people, okay? I got, I got to hurry on. I really can't preach all of these. God won't give you more than you can handle. Some of you said that. I've said that. That's not what the Bible says. 
The Bible does not say God won't give because he's already given you more than you can handle. Look at those people sitting beside you. Look at your family. He's already given you more than you can handle. Can I get an amen? Life is more than you can handle. It is. And so he does not withhold from us and say, well, I'm not going to give this to him because they know you're going to get more than you can handle, but it is impossible for more than you and God to handle that can ever end up on your doorstep because everything that comes to your doorstep, you and God together can handle. And God is not going to keep all of that. He's going to say, no, come on, buddy. We can walk through this. I can make you brave, call you out from the shore into the waves. I can make you brave. I can help you. And us together, we can handle this. Jeff talked last week about, about rest. God doesn't want to hold everything. God, what God wants to do is he wants to make us strong to get us through it and then give us the rest that we need on the other end of it. There's, uh, thirdly, what's the third one? Uh, God helps those who help themselves. Nope. Nope, nope. This one fits real good with this message because I know a lot of people are saying, well, that's why, you know, I'm just doing what is best for me because if I do, if I do what's best for me and I help myself, then God is obligated to help me help myself. Where do you find that in the Bible? I, child, I dare you to, I dare, this, that's not one of the dares today, okay? But I dare you to find that in the Bible, bring it to me, because that is not what the Bible says. When I read the Bible, you know what I hear? Is God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who are following him in obedience. Not helping themselves, you know, you gotta still do things in obedience. That is not what God said. Number three, uh, or number four, I'm sorry. Charity begins at home. Wrong, I, I need a buzzer up here, just like, you know, and just do all five of these. Wrong, I know the person who probably said this first just didn't want to give a missions offering, right? Because that's the way I've heard it normally. Well, charity begins at home, pastor, and I gotta, now let me tell you something, that's not charity. What you do for people in your family is not charity. What you do for your family is called responsibility. And when responsibility is over, then charity begins. So charity doesn't begin at home except maybe at your front door as you are leaving home. Charity is what you do after you've taken care of your family. Your family taking care of them and doing things for them and doing things that you are going to get blessed for, you're going to get appreciated for, that is not charity. Charity begins when you start doing something for somebody who, is not, who can't help you and is not, not connected to you in any way. That, that's another one of those folk religion things. And the last one is God wants wants us to be happy. That's a big one today. Yeah, and if you're on Facebook, you've seen this one. Somebody going there and they're typing and they're just talking about how they're making this decision to do this thing. And I'm wanting to comment and I'm praying, God, should I? To just tell them, no, here's what scripture says. I'm wanting to so badly, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm thinking, God, should I? And before I can get to the place of commenting, and before I can say, hey, would you, you call me? Can we talk? Somebody else has already gone on there and say, oh, you go ahead because God just wants you to be happy. You just go ahead and make that decision if it's going to make you happy because God just wants you to be happy. That's not in the Bible anywhere because God did not send his son here to die on a cross so you could be happy. Do you know he wants you to be sad sometimes? When you're standing in that funeral home with that family, God don't want you to be happy. God wants you to, he says, Mourn with those who mourn. Weep with those who weep. Yes, rejoice with those who rejoice. But there are times, there are times that it's, it's going to be sad. God doesn't want you to be happy. Happiness is situational. Happiness is going to come and go this afternoon when you, go to, when you go to lunch. You know, if somebody offers to buy your meal, 
you're going to be happy, right? Amen? You know, maybe buy that biggest steak, on, order the biggest steak that's on the menu, you know, medium rare. If you get it any, any more done than that, you're just killing it, okay? We'll talk about that later. But get that big old steak, medium rare, you know, and you're just happy because you get that big steak, you're not having to pay for it. Waitress brings it to you, and as she's putting it on the table, she drops it in the floor, face down, right? All of a sudden, you ain't happy no more. That's what happiness is. God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to have peace. You know, what happened? you know what peace is? Peace is no matter what is going on in your life, you're like this. God wants you to have peace. God wants you to be fulfilled. God wants you to be whole. God wants you to be, God wants you to be well. God wants you to be complete. And you're not going to be complete in your circumstances. You're not going to be fulfilled in your circumstances. And you're not even going to be happy with most of your circumstances. But regardless of your circumstances, God can make you whole. He can make you complete. He can make you fulfilled in everything that happens to you. And that's what God's will is for you. Okay, see, all, that, all that's folk religion, and it ain't in Scripture. Uh, let, let me, let me uh, wrap it up right here with this, tied up with this bow. If you ever hear somebody say, well, I know what the Bible says, but it don't matter what they say after that. You are dealing with folk religion. When somebody says, I know the Bible says this, but no matter whatever else they say, no matter whatever else they think that doesn't line up with the Bible, you're dealing with folk religion. And some of you, I'm going to say this, this wasn't in my notes until late last night, and I made it, and I put it in my notes, there's just, so maybe, it, you know, a lot of times I leave that stuff just, okay, God, if you want me to say it, but I put it in my notes, because I was hoping God would, would remind me to say it right here, okay? And let me tell you, some of you have some folk religion in your life that you need to delete, all of us get it in our lives, but some of you got, I mean, you've got some songs or, or you've got, you know, uh, and listen, back here, when I pastor places that we used to get, man, we'd get people saying, why don't you sing so-and-so next Sunday or whatever? And just about any time somebody asks us to sing a song, there was just about every one of those songs, there was a theological problem with it. It didn't line up with the Bible. And so most of you, most of our favorite songs, and right after the first service, somebody told me, they mentioned a song to me that is played every year at Christmas. And I said, oh yeah, she said, that's about, and she started going through all the stuff that is wrong with there. Oh, but, but I like it anyway. Okay like it, but you better remember that it's fantasy. And some of you, you're believing that because your grandmother said it, and she had it, she had it written on the wall, put it on a plaque, and it's on her, and you memorize it, and you quote that every once in a while, and it just makes you feel good. It might make you feel good, but here's the problem. If you don't delete that kind of stuff, I mean, if you're going to believe it as fantasy, remember that it's fantasy, okay? But if you keep believing it as it is truth, here's what's happening, is you are letting fantasy stand between you and the truth that can make a difference in your life. Not until you, and here's, here's the first dare right here. I dare you, choose truth. I dare you, choose truth. Because not until you choose truth are you going to see real things begin happening in your life. As long as you are, are, are dealing with fantasy, as long as you are, are dealing with folk religion, as long as you are dealing with this, uh, well, I really don't know, or you're trying to make your own way, go your own way, do your own thing, make your own rules, make your own truth, create your own thing, as long as you're trying to do it your way, it, you're never going to have, I dare you to choose truth, choose truth, and, and not just in what you hear, definitely choose truth, but what you believe, but not just what you believe, what you say. And I mean, if you, if, if you had a grandmother that, that taught you some of those folk religion things and, and now you've got them in you, would you please 
Stop them right where they are. If your grandmother believed them, then you're the third generation at least that has believed them. Shut up. Don't pass it down any further. Let the next generation not be dealing with folk religion. We need to get back to the absolute supremacy of the Word of God as our source of truth. And we're not going to do that if we're believing in fantasy. And you need to delete some, you need to delete all that fantasy out, out, of, out of your ideology and get it out. And you need to, you need to choose truth. Why? In about five minutes, I'm going to tell you the real deep reason why you need to choose truth. But before, you get there, before we get there, let me tell you a quick reason why. The next slide, okay, is it doesn't do much good to get it right if you don't live it right. Okay, don't just get the truth. You need to live the truth. Not just the truth in here, but the truth here too, and the truth here, and the truth with where you go, and what you, all of the stuff, the, your truth here. It doesn't do much good to get it right if you don't live it right. Choose truth as not just, a, as not just something you, you think, but something you say and something that you, you do, the way you live. Choose truth in everything you are. Choose to only speak truth. You know, I, uh, th there's a lot of lying Christians around today. I mean, I, I, I've run into people and they say, oh, it's okay to tell a little white lie every once in a while because, this, you know, I, I just worry about that scripture over there that says there's not going to be any lying in heaven. The, the, the liars are going to be in hell. You know, I, I worry about that one. So, you know, I'm telling you, if that's what you think, there's not, you got another little folk religion thing going on with you there. You need to choose, I dare you, choose truth. For some of you... No big deal. For some of you, this is a big deal to choose truth. Choose, but here, here's, here's, here's why you know, we do this is because we, we like the headlines. We enjoy the We don't like the issues. We want, we want the headlines. We don't want the issues. You know, uh, it, it's, it's kind of like this thing with uh, Dabo Swinney last week. So he was asking in, in a press conference. Now he's a, he's a football coach. And he was asking you know, about, this, about this whole thing. If you had a, a, one of your players in, during the national anthem decided to sit and didn't want to stand up, would you discipline? So he was asked this question. I don't know if you saw it. I, I saw it, man. I, I posted it. I reshared that thing because, man, Dabo just preached there for a little while. He preached some truth. I mean, he, he went from there, he went on into Jesus. And, you know, that, this thing, that thing it was, it was going viral on, on the internet and through Facebook. And people, I mean, it was, it was on national TV. He was interviewed and he said, I posted that. I thought, man, yeah, go Dabo. And here's, here's kind of the things that Dabo, uh, that I was agreeing with Dabo. And he didn't say some of these things specifically. But here's him saying that here's the things. It's, it's like this. This is what I've been saying. I mean, you're making tens of millions of dollars and if you're really concerned about the issues, can't you do more than sit on the bench during a song? I mean, because you and I, what, what are we, most people don't even know what he says he's upset about. Now, I'm talking about the guy that did it first, right? Most people don't even know what he's upset about. Most people only know that he's doing it. And so, you know, it's like he is embracing the, he's become the headline. But he don't, if he wanted to deal with the issue, as Dabo said, call a news conference. The press will show up because you're famous and you can talk about the issues. Surely he can do more than just sit down in the middle of a song. We like the headlines. We don't really want to deal with the issues. Y'all getting quiet. Y'all know I'm about to get on us now, right? I'm not just going to leave it with the guy sitting on the bench. Because we do the same thing with Facebook. No, we read the headlines. We love the headlines, but we skip the issues. During my vacation a week and a half ago, I saw a past, a past, something a pastor shared in a sermon. 
I saw it, it hit Facebook like wildfire. And I know it had over 2,000 shares. It went on, and it wasn't the pastor that shared it. Somebody else shared it, and it went boom, 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 two, over 2,000 shares. I, I've never had, I don't know, if, I don't, I've never had 200 shares, I don't think, so 2,000, I'm like, whoa, wow, this is awesome, you know? And so, you know, I saw the thing, and I was like, yeah, I agree with that, that's good. And, and at least two, and some of them are, some of you, the 2,000 are sitting right here, some of them were you as well. And you shared this. And so we, we loved it so much, we were willing to share it. You know what I wanted to do, though? Is I wanted to say, man, that's great. That's the headline. I wanted to go on and I wanted to comment. All of you that think this is great, let me tell you about the book that this pastor got this from. So you can go read the book. And I got the title and I was ready to post it. I thought, nobody's going to read the book. Because we don't care about the issues. We just like the headlines. You know, on Facebook, when you see a headline to an article, you like it, if you click on it, there is an article that'll explain and go deeper. But we don't read the headline. We don't read the article. We're not really interested in the issues. We just like the headlines. Like Sunday morning. Sunday morning is the headline. Man, it is the highlight of my week. Getting here, this is it. It's the headline. It's the highlight. And we like that, but we don't want to deal with the issues the rest of the week. I mean, it's been said most of my life, I used to hear it all the time, is Sunday morning, church is like a filling station, you know, and, and we come to get filled up so we can try to get through the rest of the week, right? That's why on Thursday or Friday, some of you are contemplating what you want to get on the Facebook and write about your boss. Or about three o'clock, I see some of you, yeah, you're like, two more hours and it'll be over. You're wasting your life away. Why? Because... Maybe, it's, but maybe some of it's because we're treating this like a filling station. We're just dealing, we're, we're only getting the spiritual headlines instead of going deeper. When, when somebody gives you a headline, you're supposed to read the article. When, when, a, pastor, when a pastor lays something, like that, that 2,000 shares of that pastor, when a pastor, man, that's a, wow, that's great. I wonder where that came from. Go dig for it and find it and read them. If it challenges. That's why we have a Sundays page. That's why every Sunday I try to give you a little bit more stuff than I actually say on Sunday so that you can this week, you can go to it. When I say something, the Holy Spirit says, this is for you. You ever feel that inside? Then you need to write that to take your phone out. You see people pulling their phones out and we hope most of them aren't playing games, but you know, they pull, pull your phone out, make yourself a note or reminder that I've got to dig into this thing that, that not the pastor said, but that the Holy Spirit said to me, that's what we're supposed to do. Dig into this. Go deeper. Love more than the headlines. I dare you. I dare you to choose more. Uh, uh, this, this last thing that's right here. Many Christians, we're satisfied. Uh, I, I really need to say this as quick as I po possibly can. We're, we're, we're satisfied with knowing that there can be freedom instead of really going for the freedom and having the freedom and possessing the freedom and being free. So... so let me, let me show you this right here in Scripture real quick, okay? John chapter 8. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then, hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've probably heard that before. It's been used and misused and misappropriated I know sometimes, man, when you're a kid, the truth don't set you free. Sometimes the truth gets you a spanking, right? 
Oh, it's been misused and misappropriated. But this scripture says the truth will set you free. There is freedom. There is a freedom. There is a deliverance from all the junk and all the stuff that we have to deal with. There's a freedom. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that amazing and wonderful? And oh God, there is a freedom. But most people, most Christians, are content knowing that there is the possibility of freedom. You now know the truth. The truth, this part of the truth says this truth can make you free. You know that now. But are you just satisfied knowing that? Or are you ready to? Here, here's the second dare. I dare you. Choose to be free. When Jesus Christ died for you, he took care of it all. If you've asked Christ to be your Savior, your sins are forgiven. But Jesus didn't just die to forgive you of your sins. He died to deliver you from the kingdom of sin. And all that that means. It means that there is a freedom that is there that, that, that will free you from your addictions. Now I know you, oh, your addictions, okay, he's talking about somebody else. He ain't talking about me. Because you, you think I'm talking about drugs and alcohol and pornography. Yeah, I am. But I'm talking about your addictions too, Mr. Church man, Miss Church lady. I'm talking about your addictions too. We, we, we're addicted to other things. We're addicted to stuff. And, uh, drugs, alcohol, yes. Pornography, yes. Oh, we got our habits. If your habit, you, all of us have habits, but if your habits have you, you're addicted. Whatever, we've all got some habit of some kind, but if you're, you know, I mean, when somebody says, I have to, somebody told me this morning that they almost didn't sign up for my small group because it was on Tuesday night, and, and one of their favorite shows is on Tuesday night, and they don't have a DVR, so they can't record it, and almost didn't sign up, but you know what? That habit didn't keep, so they, may, if they were addicted, they broke the addiction today, saying, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be hindered by this. That sounds, that sounds silly and small. But that's exactly where some of us are because we're li- we are allowing ourselves to be addicted by the most insignificant, stupid, silly stuff. And let me give you one just, just before I invite you to the front. You know, because here, here's one of the things we do. We're not addicted. Some of you, most of you are probably not addicted to drugs or alcohol or maybe even pornography. But you're addicted to your past. It's forgiven. But then there's some people that's hurt you in the past and you don't really want to be free from the anger of that past because when you see them the next time, you've got a couple of things you still want to tell them. I heard a couple of chuckles, but the rest of you need to say amen and know me or something like that too. We don't want to be. We want to hang on to that anger. And if you do, you're addicted to anger. Or maybe you didn't go that far. Maybe you're just hurt and you just like to, just to waller in your hurt. You know what waller is, don't you? You just want to wallow in it. You just love it. You don't, and you don't want, and that's the, that's the problem, is we don't really want to be free. We like to know that the Scripture's there, that we can be free. If I ever get ready to let go of that thing, I'm trying to be Jesus, but I'm, if I ever get ready, it's there. But we don't really want to be. I want to stay hurt. Some of you, you're addicted to being hurt. You're addicted to being depressed. You're addicted to, to having problems. You know, you can't get out of bed. You can't, you know, you have a problem and you can't go just do what you need to do. You're addicted to it. And, and I dare you, I, I, I dare you choose to be free. To be free from your, you know, yeah, your sin, but to, to be free from, and, and if you've never asked Christ to, to be your Savior, it's simple. All you got to do is say, God, I trust in you. Take the blood of Jesus, wash all my sins away, and be my God. 
It's, a, it's about that. It's just the attitude of the heart. It's not the words that you're saying. And when you do that, you're free from your sin and the penalty of your sin. You know, you're free from that part of it. But, but you need to choose to go on. Those of you who've already done that, choose to go on. Don't just be free from the sin and for the eternity stuff and all that. Be, be free. Choose to be free from the kingdom of sin that keeps destroying your home, your marriages, and your kids, and, and pulling you away, destroying your jobs. I mean, I mean, all of our jobs are under attack today. Our finances are under attack. And, you, and, and you, know, you know, what is so awesome for me is that every week, I get beaten up by all the junk that's out there. You too, right? You too. You get beaten up, right? And, and, and it's almost like sometimes I've said, you know, I feel like a Christmas tree. Then all week long, Satan has just been hanging stuff on me, you know? You know, it's just all week long, just hanging all this stuff on me. And I come on Sunday morning sometimes, and I do feel like the devil's Christmas tree. He's just been hanging stuff on me. Oh, well, you know what? I come in here, and, and, and the worship begins, and the music begins, and the worship team starts leading us into the presence of God, and it's just like, shake that stuff off of me because it does not belong to me because I have been made free for all of that junk that has been put on me all week. It ain't mine. It belongs to somebody else. Just get that off because now I am here in the presence of God, and I am free. You see, you are free from that stuff if you choose to be. But when you still hang on to it, when you still want it, and when you say, then, then you're not. Choose to be free. Can I ask you to join me at the front, if you will? If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front with a final song and a final prayer, and if you're comfortable doing so, we would love to have you join us. So please, if you will, come this way. Thank you. The prayer team is getting in position because we want to pray with you today, okay? Let me ask everyone to take a couple steps toward me, get the people out of the aisle, and kind of get everybody here all together. Lastly, let me, let me share one. I got one more dare for you, okay? This, this is the big dare today. Choose truth and choose to be free. But let me give you one more dare. This past Thursday was the anniversary of probably the most horrific event that has ever taken place in the city of Birmingham. September 15th, 1963, 53 years ago this past Thursday. At about 10.20 a.m. that morning, it was a Sunday, a bomb went off in the basement of the 16th Street Baptist Church in downtown Birmingham, killing 14-year-old uh, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Addie Mae Collins, and 11-year-old Denise McNair, injuring over 20 others. It happened in a church. These 14-year-olds and this 11-year-old, they were in the ladies' lounge that morning, putting on their choir robe to go upstairs and to lead people into the presence of God. I don't know how to wrap my brain around that. I do not, I, I, I can't imagine being the dad of one of those girls who has to wake up on September 16th, 1963 and not be able to go down the hallway to that daughter's room and give her a hug and a kiss. I don't know how 
to wrap my brain around that, that to know that every single day, every morning for the rest of my life, I cannot hug my daughter. And all because of racial hatred. Tell me what three 14-year-olds and an 11-year-old girl had to do with racial hatred. I mean, I don't have, you know, makes me want to go outside again and slap somebody. I can't wrap my brain around what this is supposed, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to make this all fit? I, I, I can't do it. I, I had the privilege of uh, meeting one of the dads, and I know some of you probably have also, of one of the dads of those girls, Chris McNair, Denise McNair's dad. Um, he was friends of part of our family, and I, I got to meet him one time. I, I didn't know the man. I got to meet him. And if, if you follow the news, you know that he's made some mistakes. Haven't we all? Amen. Thank God mine hadn't been in the papers like his has, right? But you know what happened? I, go back to 1963. You know what happened? He had to get up on Monday morning, September the 16th, 1963, and say, and he had to decide that that is not going to enslave me. And he had to get up on Tuesday morning, September the 17th, 1963, and say, that does not belong to me, and I am not going to let it be a part of who I am. And he had to get up on September 18th and 19th and 20th. And in 1964 and 65 and 66, he had to get up. He had to make the decision that this is not who I am and I am not going to let this be. But he had to choose to be free from that and not be imprisoned by that. As soon as that happened, uh, as soon as that happened, there were thousands from the African-American community that ran into the streets because, I mean, it looked like they were at war. This was, I think, the third bombing in, in, in the past couple of weeks over there. It, was not, it wasn't an isolated event. And the pastor got a bullhorn, a megahorn, and he, uh, a megaphone, and he was, he, was, he was reading scripture, and he was encouraging people. To, he was trying to do everything he could to quieten down. I mean, I don't know that I wouldn't have been out there in the middle of that it, it also. And I don't know what my attitude would have been, especially if I'd have been part of one of those families. But Chris McNair had to make the decision every day, I am going to be free of this. And he went on to run for office and served several years in our state legislature. He ran for U.S. Congress. He, he didn't win, but he ran for U.S. Congress. He became one of the respected leaders of the African-American community in Birmingham appointed to many, many different positions. You know why? My third dare is why. I dare you, choose to not allow what happens to you to define you. Your sin and the people that have hurt you, the sicknesses that are in your life, the mistakes that, and all the stuff, don't you choose to never let that that has happened to you to define you. You wake up every morning and you choose to be free. You don't wake up, don't wake up tomorrow and go to Facebook. Wake up tomorrow and go to the truth. Wake up tomorrow and say, I am free again today. No matter what somebody hangs on me today, it don't belong to me because I am free. I dare you.
choose to be free today. The prayer team is begging to pray with you. We want to pray with you today, and we want to help. And some of you, listen, I'm looking over, to, and I'm looking over at this crowd, and some of you, I hear you say things, and reading between the lines, you're saying, I'm not free here. I'm not free here. I'm not free here. And, and I watch what some of you do, and you get free for a little bit. And man, I'm on top of the world. And it falls apart. Why? You hadn't got free yet. Choose to be free today. And say, I am a child of God. And every day, I don't have to wait until Sunday morning to walk in here when the music's going and shake that off and say, it don't belong to me. I am a child of God. And every day, this stuff, that stuff, that junk out there does not belong to me. I am free because of the blood of Jesus Christ and of the truth that has come through him. Choose to be free. Would you bow with me and pray?